Rusty Quill presents. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Minerva's Arsenic Solutions. Struggling with domestic frustrations? Too many collars roughing up the old lace? Can't seem to conquer that Caligula? Minerva's Arsenic Solutions will remove those unwanted pests from the parlor before you can say, out, damn spot. Minerva's Solutions. Save your regrets for tomorrow. Remember me when I have gone away. Best intentions are always laced with personal comforts. Altruism is rarely unaccompanied. Were the bones in Edmund's entry really a gift for Charity's artistic side? Did Mr. Pedigree innocently give out dangerous flowers to children, or was he in on it? What was Viola really looking for as she was led out of the basement into the courtyard in the evening at Ludlow? The flicker of a solitary candle led Brittle Teeth and Madame Viola out of the disturbing depths of the solitary cells at Ludlow and into the quiet courtyard of late evening. It had begun to rain. Brittle Teeth walked them under a large tree that shaded the grass. The breeze shifted its high branches, at its base a series of headstones. What is this? Viola was getting annoyed and losing patience. Brittle Teeth was enjoying this for some reason. Bullfinger had reappeared with a shovel and stood next to her. She held the candle near the gravestone. Read it. Viola read it. The headstone read Vivian Voldat, 
with a birth date but no death date. What kind of sick joke is this? She said. Is that my sister or not? She grabbed the folder out of Brittle Teeth's hands. She opened it, but the paper was blank. What is going on here? Dig, Brittle Teeth said. She threw the shovel at Viola, her teeth chattering. What? Viola said, offended. She crossed her arms. You're out of your mind. You want to meet your old sister, you old spoiled bat? Dig. Ms. Brianna. The name is Brittleteeth, you spoiled coot. Now dig before my man Coldfinger swings the spike into your skull. Coldfinger brought a shovel pick up for her to see. Viola picked up the shovel and started to dig as the rain increased. Viola, wet, exhausted, stood in a hole almost as tall as her. She dug down, but there was no coffin and no sign of her sister's body. Why are you doing this to me? Why am I doing this, Viola? Because after all of these years, you come out here looking for your sister. After the torture she went through, the loneliness and treatments, and now, after she's dead, you come out here like all the others who abandoned their children to forget them and leave them behind. And now you come back to repair the history after she's gone. I'm doing this to punish you. To punish all of those people who dumped their forgotten here. You kept this place afloat for years and slaved them to our laundries. I'm punishing you because I can't punish mom and dad. Viola looked up. Looked into her eyes. Finally saw something familiar. Vivi? She said softly. You can't call me that anymore, Viola. You don't get to call me that. Not after this. They treated me and locked me up, and then when they started to fail, they worked me, and they stole my teeth until I finally took this place over. To control something so that no one would cause me that kind of pain again. And you don't get to come out here and open that all up again. I'm a nightmare, Viola. Long keys. You get to call me brittle teeth. Just like all the other little dolls. I, I know you didn't ask for it, but I lost you too. I lost my sister to that thing that took over you, that sickness. I couldn't bear to watch it ravage you into some kind of shivering pet gnawing on the drapes. No love for Vivi, no permanence, all the baby teeth hidden under the pillow have been stolen out into the night so I could scream as loud as I wanted down here. I'm going to call people. Bring men. We're going to pull this place down brick by brick. We'll shut it all down. People know where I am. They'll come looking. Brittleteeth leaned in close. I know your secrets, Viola. Even out here, I heard the news of your marriage and then the death of your husband. But I remember Mother's curse, and I know you've got it. I know your secrets and your fortune would be snatched from you. 
You'd be on the streets with that fumbling pumble shaking a pencil cup for pennies. You'd lose it all if word got out about your little nightmares. There was an explosion. Colefinger ran into the laundry to check it out. Leave here, sister. Never come back. Never think of me. Forget me and this place. The children, you can't. Oh, I can and I will. You have your empire and I built mine. Built tooth by tooth. Leave me to it. Viola climbed out of the hole in shock, staring at the thing with the long keys and the false teeth, looking for even the slightest flicker of her sister. Viola had only one place to go inside her, to business, to the practical defender of the fortune that kept the jackals from ripping her apart. She did the one thing she knew how to do. She started to negotiate. No more road children, Vivi. No more. Only... Only the docks. The warehouse kids. The street rats that won't be missed. She was disgusted with herself for bartering. Just like you to barter with lives that those children would be less longed for. You're more of a monster than I am, Viola. Viola looked at the mud on her hands, wished for everything to be different, but had the sudden urge to get as far away from this place as she could. She needed Pumble, needed to drive very fast, needed to burn all the papers back at home. Brittle teeth pointed at the doors back to the entrance, and Viola walked back to her car in a daze. Pumble had made his way through the doll factory, dip faces still dripping on stakes, boxes of heads with long lashes, one partly awake and seeming to wink at him. Rows and rows of bodies and disconnected parts, and an orderly wooden box with compartments filled with children's teeth. All the makings of the Oleander dolls. He quickly crept past them, holding his breath and trying not to make a sound, till he found himself in Coalfinger's chambers. A bed of old sacks, a piss bucket, potted meat cans the table covered in doll rags and a cask set at the edge. A note next to it with instructions. And the words, Do you think they tried to stop us? Love you more. Yes, they did. On the paper, a request for specific dolls to be made of very high quality and outlining the need for human teeth. Very high quality human teeth that match the shape of the doll heads. Humble heard an explosion and some great commotion. He grabbed the paper and ran out to meet Viola at the car. Maisie, Temperance, Ivy Anna, and Antigone huddled in the far corner of their little squalid room, their bare toes almost numb from the floor chill. Maisie had a plan to escape. It was extremely dangerous, but with the help of Mr. Fitz, Maisie was confident it would work. They would cause a distraction, and in the ensuing chaos, they would escape into the night far away from this place. Each girl had a role to play, and they just needed to wait for the door to... Colefinger arrived to drag the girls off to their labor, stirring vats, sweeping, and piling the cloth of the laundry. Maisie hid Mr. Fitz in her nightshirt. Colefinger went to shove Temperance, but she flinched away and called him a peasant, saying she could walk on her own. 
Antigone went with them, helped along by Iviana. Colefinger didn't seem to notice the addition. He led them down the hallway, letting his shovel picks scrape along, reminding them of the danger that would visit them if they resisted. He pushed Temperance to the lie vat in a scoop, gave her a dirty rag to cover her mouth. Maisie and Iviana were given stir paddles for the soaping tanks, and seeing how weak Antigone was, he shoved a broom in her hands and pointed at the dusty corners of the room. He heard a familiar whistle through the false teeth and hustled to meet brittle teeth and viola in the hallway. They waited to make sure Colefinger was good and gone before going into action. Antigone dragged a metal bucket to the window. Temperance dumped a couple of large scoopfuls of lye into the bottom. Maisie dumped bleach into that, and the whole thing erupted into a leaf of gas. Maisie used a paddle to shatter one of the windows, and Iviana cried out for help. They urged all the other children away, who in the chaos ran to the other side of the room. The girls ran up the gangplank over the vats and headed to the doors, where they would snatch Colefinger's door key from over his desk that would ultimately lead to the outside. But Colefinger was clever. He stood on the gangplank, shovel pick in his hands, chain dangling off, dragging on the metal grating below. He looked excited, like he'd been waiting for this. Temperance stood tall on the lead, not backing down, threatening him with a bucket of lye. You think I'm afraid? See these? He pointed to his scars. Colefinger swung wide and hard at Temperance. Rennie didn't flinch. But at the last moment, Ivy Anna screamed and pulled her back by the shoulder. She stepped in front to protect her friend. Colefinger missed and the shovel pick whizzed by her head with a breeze. With the chain attached to his weapon curled around her ankle. And with the strong force of the swing, yanked Ivy Anna off her feet and swung her out and over the lye vat, unfurling and flinging her up and over the center of the large boiling pot. In that moment, suspended between fate, the glimpse of an old life and its scrapbook of stories and images, and the flailing descent into tragedy, pulled by an irresistible force, transformed into something else. In a breath, Iviana would cease to be anything to anyone. A brief moment of limbo, of neutrality. Just one breath. A denial of the inevitable. Temperance reached out and screamed. In that moment, Iviana fell away and ceased to be. But just before, she felt sad she was abandoning her friend and simply whispered the name. Matilda. Temperance was enraged. She flung the bucket of lye at Colefinger, catching it in his eyes. He stumbled backwards and down to his knees, screaming. Maisie looked into the vat, but there was no sign of Iviana. They grabbed Antigone and ran past the flailing Colefinger, and on their way to freedom. Brittleteeth had heard the chaos and screams and ran to the laundry. A fire started. Viola could see the flickering of reds and yellows from the windows. Brittleteeth had dropped the candle, and Viola, stunned, walked slowly like in a trance back through the dark halls to the entry doors of Ludlow. She held the piece of yellow wallpaper in her fingers, rubbing it back and forth, feeling its texture and the bumps of the teeth marks. She got to the motor car just in time to see. Madam, Humble said. I didn't find anything, but what happened to you? 
He rushed to wipe off her mud, and she pushed him away. You smell like garbage. Did you find out what happened to your sister? I heard a commotion inside. Where is Mrs. Brianna and Coulson? He opened the door for her. My sister Vivian is dead, he said, sitting in the seat, smearing mud on the velvet cushion. She's dead, Pumble. Died here alone and lonely and thrown into a shallow grave. My word. Are you... Are you... Madam... Shall I make you a hot drink? I brought along the travel kit for a lavender. No, Pumble. Take us home as fast as you can, and never mention this place or my sister ever again. I have what I came for, even though it is far from what I needed. Pumble quickly jumped into the motor car, donned his driving hat, cranked the engine over, and sped out of the courtyard at Ludlow, not bothering to close the gates as they fled. Underneath the protective luggage cover, three girls huddled together for warmth as they felt the relief of escape from a horrible place of captivity. Stunned for the moment, and none of it feeling quite real. Especially the absence of a fourth friend who had sacrificed herself to protect someone who pretended like she didn't need protecting. Temperance had acquired a good scar in the scuffle. Her dad would be proud. Antigone passed out exhausted and warmed in the safety smushed between the two other girls. Maisie comforted her coat, as if Mr. Fitz was sobbing in her pocket, holding her tears for her as they made their way down the broken road back to the city. Charity Suter was feeling terrible. Edmund Green had invited over some friends who were not able to see his unveiling of his new art exhibit of the remains of a tragic man's final moments. Edmund had encouraged her to get some air and food in her, and she was sick of being sick. She wrapped her her ankle, bandaged her bent finger, took a couple of tablets for nausea, and stuffed herself in a decent enough dress for company. She sat at the end of his long dining table, Enoch at her side in a little suit and combed hair, Edmund at the other end with some of his men's club friends having a jolly time. Charity maintained a tight smile, slowly sipping small amounts of soup. She had a constant shake, weakness, and felt on the edge of fainting. It had been a mounting feeling of illness over the week, ever since the display was affixed in the entryway. Enoch didn't eat soup. The staff knew him well enough at this point to bring him egg and cress sandwiches sliced in half. Half he would eat, the other half he would save in his pocket. Next to him in his chair was the book Charity had been reading to him. They hadn't been able to finish since she had been bedridden. Every so often, Edmund would say something in a direction with an Isn't that right, Charity? And she would nod, trying to look pretty, and take another small bite of soup. A tremor from what felt like deep within the earth made its way from her feet on the floor through her legs to her pelvis, into her ribs to her shoulders. Her neck wedged sideways to a painful position with a crick, and it stuck there. Her knees shook. She placed her hands on the table, but they were shaking the glassware together and making clinging sounds. The men looked down the table. Are you all right, Miss Souter? Charity pushed herself out of her chair, uncontrollably, her shoulders both slowly pushed forward, straining the muscles until the joints were at the point, dislocating. The view was horrific. Control was not Charity's own. She screamed in pain and collapsed to the floor. The men rushed over. Call the doctor. Get her to her room. 
Don't touch me, she screamed as every bone in her body fought to be released, to pull out of place and flee. What's happening to me, she yelled at Edmund, who didn't have any answers. Enoch, down on his hands and knees, looked in her eyes, and then slid the book towards her on the floor. Charity calmed for a moment, trying to collect herself in the pain. Enoch, it's going to be okay. Don't be afraid, she said. But I can't read to you now. Enoch stood and huffed a sigh, which surprised Edmund. Enoch went to the table and pulled her bowl of soup off with both hands and set it next to her face. I don't need soup, Enoch. Please, she winced in pain as her neck cramped again. Enoch went back to the table and grabbed two handfuls of stripped chicken bones from the platter. He hovered over the bowl of soup and looked again in Charity's eyes. She watched him, and he dropped the chicken bones into the soup. He then got on his hands and knees and deliberately stared into her eyes. Charity's breathing calmed. She took a few deep breaths. I understand, she said to Enoch. With the last of her strength, she pushed herself off the floor. The men trying to help, but she pushed them off and told them to step away. She grabbed Edmund's cane, and with its heavy brass tip, she lurched out into the entryway steadied herself and swung at the display, shattering the glass across the checkered marble floor. She collapsed against the wood, grabbed an armful of Owen McCleary's bones, and pulled until the tiny thread suspending them in the light snapped. Charity! Edmund yelled. From knee to elbow, to hip to foot, to hand, she stumbled out, throwing herself forward with Owen's remains in tow. Out the front door, down the steps, through the grass, into the edge of the pond. She stood in the waters up to her waist, and with a desperate yelp, hurled the bones back into the black and dyed water. They splashed into the pond, the lead weights on the feet dragging them back towards the center. Charity fell back, exhausted, slipping away, but ever so slightly regaining control of herself. Edmund was stunned, at the edge, after a few beats, he tried to look like he was part of the joke in front of his friends. I suppose I should put in a pool, he joked with them. Enoch poked out from behind him. Thanks, Enoch, Charity said. Enoch looked out to the water, looked back at Charity, and then offered up the storybook right at the page they'd left off. It ends not how we would have liked. We would like for it all to be torn down, for the past to be laid to a comfortable rest, the dust swept away. We'd like for it to end with a better understanding, for us to be better understood. But it ends how it always ends, with these places somehow still standing, still running, and it gnawing at us at night when we lay in our comfortable beds. As we become aware of these sharp, dark corners of the universe, we try to put it out of our heads and sing a song to dolls to help us drift to sleep. Keep digging just a little deeper. We'll see what's in store in the next episode. 
of Celine. Would you like a ticket to enjoy the revelry of Noon Night Affair? Our Patreon is a place where you can see all the sordid savagery and indecent decadence of the mysteries of our fair city. Want some answers for once? Solve the mysteries and share never-before-heard stories, music, and spectacle. Come be a part of Moonlight Affair, Silent Treatment, and Selene with the other spirits again and again and again and again and again and again and again. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.